G'day listeners, welcome to the Braintainment Podcast. This show is an interesting mix between pop culture and personal development with a very wide range of guests that come on the show for a chat from the sports space, philosophy, health and fitness, entertainment and everything in between. The idea is to entertain or to educate you guys and hopefully sometimes both, either through just myself or with the guests that come on the show as we explore different ideas and concepts and have some really interesting conversations. The mission with the Brain Taming Podcast is to raise a million dollars, and that all starts with uh, building an audience and a platform. So thank you for tuning in. Our goal is to raise a million dollars towards brain injury recovery and research. So if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and family, and be sure to subscribe. With that said, strap in and enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Today's uh, a chat I've been looking forward to for a little while now. We're chatting with Luke Spags Janukas, partner and agent at Lucky Entertainment, uh, partner at 170 Russell Venue, Billboard and Ultra Australia, as well as being involved in a few other projects I'm sure we'll talk about today. He's almost the perfect guest for this show. We're all about blending pop culture and personal development and essentially making the idea of learning and, and personal growth more sexy and more, more widely explored. So we're going to have a lot of fun today and also learn a bit, I'm sure, from a guy that's clearly been able to have some success and carve out a pretty impressive career uh, in the nightlife and music scene and his perspective on work and life and everything in between is probably on a similar wavelength to what I like to talk about on this show. Um, plus, I think the space is, in it is really cool and, and super interesting. So we're going to dive into it. And with all that said, uh, welcome, Spags. <laughs> Good morning. Another another day in uh, COVID lockdown in Melbourne. <laughs> That's it. We're slowly but surely uh, getting used to it. I'm sure we'll... Um, I'm sure we'll bounce back when the time comes. Yeah, mate. Firstly, uh, for those that that don't know, could you just give us a snapshot of what Lucky Ent uh, Entertainment is is all about? What do you guys currently do? Yeah, so Lucky Ent is a talent agency, and I'd say a talent and events agency. Um, we have numerous arms within the business. Um, our main, uh, I'd say, our main business is. Uh, booking artists and artist management, uh, followed by uh, events. We have two record labels, sorry, numerous record labels. Um, we part own 170 Russell, um, which is also known as Billboard the Venue, which has had some amazing guests, and we run music festivals. We've got a creative creative company, so what's sort of like a talent agency. We book and manage artists, influencers. We've got a creative side. We've got record labels. Um, we've got events, so we've got yeah, quite quite a bit happening, which is exciting, mate. It's super exciting. It's been really cool to kind of watch from afar a little bit, I suppose, um, and see you guys put it all together. And we'll talk about that today and a bit of the story behind it. Um, but it's pretty evident you've, you're quickly becoming one of the biggest brands in in music. Um, and like I said, mate, it's really cool to to watch and watch it unfold. So for you though, let's take it back to the start. Um, how did you first get into the into the nightlife industry? I suppose I think I heard you. I think I heard you talking about your brother got you involved, you're selling tickets for an event. Could you give us the backstory of how this all, um, how it all came about? Yeah, so uh, my brother used to DJ when I was probably, how old am I now? I'm 28, uh, probably when I was 17. So going back, you know, 11 years ago, he used to DJ um, quite regularly. And uh, he, he managed to get on this event with um, a, a trance event. And he's like, hey, do you want to sell some tickets? I'm like, oh. Uh, I don't know, you know, I'm 17. I don't know if I can really sell any tickets. He's like, look, if you sell it, this is back in the day when you see it $5 a ticket. He goes, look, you know, they're only 30 bucks or 35 bucks. If you sell it, you get to keep five bucks. Like, oh, you know what? That's that's not bad. Let's let's just see how it goes. 
So I, you know, took 10 or 15 tickets off him. And I just spent hours just messaging randoms on Facebook that I saw, you know, clicked attending on the event or, you know, clicked interested in the event and just said, hey, hope you don't mind the random message. Um, I'm selling these tickets. Do you want to buy some? If you buy five or more discount, I'll drop them off. And this, I was 17 at the time. So, you know, I was that's, I was living in Werribee back then. And, you know, I'd catch a train all the way to the city to drop off three tickets and make $15. I was wrapped. So, the hustle was real. Yeah, that, that was like the first sort of experience I had with events and being in events. And I uh, went to that event, um, you know, 17. Um, I, I went to that event and I'm like, all right, this is cool. And I sort of made a bit of money and I'm like, hey, you know what? For a 17, 18-year-old making a bit of money selling tickets, it's not too bad. So it pretty much started there. That is super cool. And then I think I heard you talk about a website you went on to make um, selling tickets how did yeah. that come about? And have you always been that sort of entrepreneurial, I suppose? Yeah, I think I have. Um, even before I was selling tickets, I used to sell mobile phones. So I used to buy phones off eBay, um, broken phones, fix them, and then resell them. You know, yeah. fix. And then I also used to, eBay used to um, categorize things really, really wrong sometimes. So you'd get like a phone that would be in like, you know, a laptop section, so that there'd be no bids on it. So I'd get it for like a quarter of the price, but then put it in the mobile phone section and then just resell it. So I sort of started, <laughs> that was sort of like this first sort of selling that I did. And then, yeah, I started this website and I thought, okay, well, online's obviously super important. If I can get people buying tickets all the time, not just when I'm awake, it's a good avenue. And I sort of had this thing of trying to compete with like Mosh Ticks and Ticketmaster and in the mix and things, which is, you know, uh, which was a big dream for, you know, an 18-year-old kid. But that was, that, was a, that was another sort of important moment for me. Did you find that um, that work ethic has served you well over the, well, I suppose it's been almost a, well, about a decade now for you in this space. Um, and there's obviously different projects you've got you got involved in. But I'm just thinking, like, there's a lot of kids, you know, 17, 18, 19, they get into the, the, the promotional space and they're selling tickets and they just, you know, a year or two later, you don't hear of them and they kind of... yeah. Uh, go by the wayside, um, but just hearing you talk about, you know, you, you're you messaging people, you're putting in the hours, you're putting in the work. Do you think that that has been one of the, I suppose, um, critical elements for you to go on to kind of carve out the career that you've had? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that's super important. And I think a lot of people, what also sort of drove me was a lot of people sort of seeing it as not something you could do long-term. That's like, oh, you know, you'll promote for a couple mm. of years, but how are you going to make an actual living? And it's like, please. Like, let me, let me worry about me and you worry about you, you know? (laughs) So I sort of, um, that sort of drove me on a little bit as well. And it was funny. I remember the first time, I think the first time I was running an event or selling tickets and this, there was this guy in my area and he said to me, he's like, um, he's like, good luck because he sort of, he sort of said good luck because I'm always going to outsell you or outdo better than you. And fast forward 10 years and, for some reason, that's still in my head, but fast forward 10 years and that guy is nowhere in the industry. And, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, I bet him, but it's just, uh, I always saw that work ethic. If you can work hard enough, you can do anything that you want. Yeah. No, man, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, but like you kind of touched on, like most people at that age would be thinking there's not really a, you know, a, a lifelong career I can carve out here. So for you, um, I mean, I'm sure it's a long story, but give us a snapshot of how you go from, you know, selling tickets and for your brother's event to then ultimately become a partner at one of the the biggest brands in music. Like what's the, what's the highlights reel of how that all comes about? 
Yeah, so after selling tickets, um, I was selling tickets for, I can't remember how long, maybe for a good six months or so, four, four or five, I'll say four or five months actually. And then I, um, I'm like, hey, you know what? I want to take this a bit further and run my own club night to run my own event. So I found a venue in the Western suburbs um, of Melbourne in Newport. The venue was called Tracks. It was this old venue. You know, it wasn't the greatest venue, but I'm like, hey, I know there's, uh, I'm from the Western suburbs. I know there's a market here. And I put on a couple of club nights. The first one went amazing. The first act I actually booked was orchestrated. Um, it's Stevie yep. Mink, I remember clearly. And it was funny, that was actually 10 years ago last week that that happened. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I ran that event and I ran a couple. I then basically from there, it was all downhill. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because there was another competing Friday night and oh, it was a lot of learning and I did a lot of things wrong, which is fine. You know, that's learning. But then... um. You know, everyone in the sort of music industry tends to sort of know each other or know of. And I, I always, you know, spoke to different people and I had a f- start speaking with um, James Favor from Mint Lounge and love that music yep. in Werribee. Um, and basically he's like, look, you know, I've sort of been seeing some of your stuff. How would you sort of like to work with us on, at the venue and, you know, start as a promoter and just see how you go. So I sort of went from running my own club night to becoming a product promoter at Mint Lounge, just sort of working my way up there. And, you know, I, I sort of see that as my apprenticeship and, working my way through eventually running the Saturday nights and helping the Thursdays there. Um, and that venue had some amazing acts from what's so not, um, you know, Will Sparks, well, you know, Ruby Rose, Havana Brown, um, who else do we have rehab? So Flume played there. So we had some great upcoming acts there. And then once I hit 21, I'm sort of like, you know what, I'm over the nightclubs. I'm over smashing Jaeger bombs every week. Some of Jaeger bombs were <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, I want to, change it up so I sort of said I sort of put my mind to becoming a personal trainer because I'm into quite quite a lot of you know, I'm into fitness but I just I, I probably was trying to do that for two or three weeks and I just didn't enjoy it I just didn't feel right um, and from there you know like I mentioned before everyone sort of talks and I put together like a nice sort of resume and I'm like hey you know what let's just let's get out of this world of you know uh, of let's get out of mint and let's send my resume across to different people and see how it goes. And, you know, touch wood, I, um, you know, I managed to get a, a role at Totem One Love, which was running Stereosonic at the time, managing tickets. So that, you know, I was there for probably six or so months um, and, and I was enjoying it. But then I it just started to get, I wouldn't say stale. I just, there was a certain elements I didn't enjoy about it. And one night I was out at um, Marking Sydney, and I spoke to uh, I spoke to Pete Sofo, who was a, who owned Three Sixty Agency at the time, was partners with Grant Smiley, and they had uh, Timmy Trumpet, Stafford Brothers, Ruby Rose, and he said, you know, he's like, look, you know, you've always come across really well, and you know, if you ever need anything, feel free to give me a call. And from there, we sort of got talking and sort of built a sort of agent role for me. Then I went to Three Sixty Agency. Um, and I was there for probably a year or so. That was my first sort of agent role. Um, they ended up getting bought out by another company, and I saw, and I sort of had this chance to be like, okay, I can come across to Lucky and sort of build something there long term as a partner, or I can go to this other company and ended up at Lucky, which was you know a great choice for me. Followed my gut, which you know I've always tried to do, and now I'm here. You know, five years later, four and a half years later at Lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. And you, you said something in there, mate, about, you know, almost like you're doing an apprenticeship. I reckon that putting in the work is, is critical. And I think 
I would imagine anyway, it's, it's too easy to look at someone like yourself or some of the guys you work with and go, fuck, look, pretty sexy job title you've got there. And, you know, you work with all these amazing artists, um, but, you know, you have, you have put in the work. Um, and I imagine networking is a part of that. Um, but obviously, at some point, you have to be able to add value. You know, you have to be able to be good at what you do. Um, so could you just give us maybe a bit of a highlight really again of the role that you would play at Lucky um, as a partner and then also as an agent? Yeah. So what is it that you offer, I suppose, in that space? Yeah, so I guess as a partner, um, the overall long-term vision of the business is super important. Um, the projects that we decide to get involved in, the projects that we don't want to get involved in, um, potential businesses we want to launch, artists we want to sign, um, working with you know the team. I think it's um, you know we're we're super lucky. The team, oh, no no pun intended, but the team at Lucky is really really good in terms of the people we have around us, and there's numerous agents and staff that you know, everyone's just super driven to constantly be better and to constantly deliver good results and not because it's their job, but because they enjoy what they do. And I think that's a really important culture within a business. If you enjoy it, it's fun. Um, like our office is quite fun. I'm probably the most serious one at the office. I'm always, you know, pretty much <laughs> head down on the phone, but our office is quite fun. We don't have a dress code. You know, if someone's meant to start at nine, they rock up at 9.30, you're not getting the phone call, where the hell are you? So we sort of want people to really enjoy where they work. Um, and in terms of being an agent, uh, my goal for that is just to keep working with artists and building them within not just Australia, but also the world, you know. It's really exciting finding an artist that hasn't played many shows, but, you know, because it's amazing productions. Like, okay, how can I push this artist to, keep growing and keep getting bigger and bigger, which is really exciting. And yeah. Yeah. So you, what does that process look like then, Spag? So let's say, um, I mean, you're, uh, we'll talk about your roster in a moment of some yeah. of the artists and the names you've got in there. It's, it's insane. It's really impressive. But how does that process work of you essentially onboarding someone else? Do they reach out to you? Obviously a massive name now um, with Lucky Ant. Um or do, do you contact them? Is it a bit of both? Like, what does that process look like? And um, sometimes, uh, yeah. yeah, sometimes artists may come to us that we probably haven't seen, or you know, we can't keep our eyes and ears everywhere, unfortunately. But other times, as artists, and we're like, hey, you know what? I, I like this artist has something that I really like that I feel like I can can work with. Um, so I, so yeah, it's you sort of got to see something in the artist that you feel like you can work with and build. Um, a good example of that, uh, we reached, probably a year ago, we picked up an act called Jezebel. Um, and I'm using her as an example because she's probably like a recent one. And, you know, she, she was playing here and there in Sydney and she used to have a career before that. But she saw, similar to me, she took some time off, tried to do something else. And she's like, hey, you know what? I want to be, I want to focus on my DJ and my music. And I sort of kept an eye on her and I saw she was playing different gigs. And, I knew her. I knew she was a great DJ. She had a great look about her. Um, she came across really smart, really fun. Um, musically, she can play for one hour, three hours. And I'm like, hey, you know what? There's some stuff here that I can really work with. Um, and, you know, she's she's been a great artist for us the last year or so. She's She gets along with everyone. People really like her. She's really nice. She plays the right music. Um, so that's sort of something that we look for. You know, just different, different, something that we can work with and then constantly keep building that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So that's Je that's Jezebel. Who else have yeah. you got on the roster at the moment that people would probably recognize? I'm sure there'd be a few names that people would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I know them. Yeah, yeah. You know, Will Sparks, you know, is one of the main ones. Havana Brown, um, Marlowe, Tiger Lily, Joel Fletcher, Tyrone Happy, Mashton Kutcher. Um, you know, there's some of the names. Brooklyn is another one who's been doing well for the last, you know, three to five years. And I've been working with her since I was at 360 Agency. So we've got numerous, we've got yeah, a lot of artists, um, which is which is awesome, which is great. So of those, do any or any of potentially someone else you haven't mentioned there, mm. uh, does anyone does anyone stand out by way of uh, work ethic? And what I mean by that, mate, is, you know, whether it's DJing or making music in any capacity, you're playing gigs. There's a lot to it. And again, it's a pretty sexy job title and it looks really cool from afar. But mm-hmm. particularly if you want to have some longevity in the, you know, as a musician, uh, whatever it is that you do, I would imagine you have to put in some pretty gnarly fucking hours and, and do some things that you don't love doing necessarily. Show up to gigs when you're absolutely gassed. Um, so is there anyone that kind of stands out to you that um, has really put in the work and earned, I suppose, the the, um, the career that they have now? Um, I wouldn't say there's one particular artist, but I'm, it's it's awesome that like a lot of my artists will constantly reach out to me um, and not reach out as in, hey, you know, obviously they're asking how you're doing, but they're constantly looking for more opportunities, um, mm. which is great. You know, like I, I don't really want to work with artists that aren't driven, that aren't putting in the hours because I'm putting in the hours. So you should too. And if you're not, I'm wasting my time because I can't work with someone that's not putting in the hours and trying to be better and better themselves. Um, And I think a lot of the artists that don't put in the hours end up, you know, just not, not dropping off because they lose their interest lost in them. They drop off because they lose interest and they're like, Hey, you know what? I'm over this. I want to do something else, which is completely cool. It happens all the time. Um, It's not an easy industry to sort of stay in and, some people get over it, get over the touring or playing the shows and everything else. So um, I think there isn't one particular artist that stands out, but every artist, you know, I, I work with, I want to have a really good work ethic because they're driving their career as much as I am. Yeah, I imagine it's a pretty tricky space to stand out in as well. Like there's, um, I mean, there was a period of time a few years ago, it was like almost everyone wanted to be a DJ. And yeah. To kind of break through and you know build a, a fan base and a community and you know get those gigs, I, yeah, I suppose to some extent you have to be really really proactive. And so if that's something that you look for, um, potentially anyone listening that wants to get into the music space, like you, you get, at some yeah. point you're gonna have to put in the, you're gonna have to put in the work, you're gonna have to find the opportunities, you know, and and obviously be good at what you do, right? You have to continue to definitely to perfect your craft. Yeah, mm. yeah, I think um, yeah, it's like you said, putting in putting in the time, perfecting your craft speaking to people, meeting people, you know, not being afraid to message people. You know, if there's someone you want to talk to or someone you saw did something good, hit them up. What's the worst they're going to do? Not reply, you know? Yeah. So just don't be afraid to reach out to people. Yeah, man, that's that's huge. I think so many people get stuck in like that analysis paralysis, whether it's, you know, making music or whatever the fuck you want to do, like just overanalyzing as opposed to just trying to connect with people, you know, offer value and just see what happens. Like you said, the worst thing that someone can say is, no, and it's funny. I've reached out to a few people just to come on this show for a chat, you know, and I get a ton of no's and then fortunately I get some yeses. You know, you, you're kind enough to carve out some time. So it's just a matter of actually trying to make the effort to create your opportunities. It's simple advice, but it's amazing how many people fall short at just almost at that step one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I read a good, I read a quote. Um, I can't, it's one of my favorite quotes and so I get it wrong. I think it is, if a decision is reversible, make it quickly. If it isn't, take your time, you know? So it's sort of like, okay, me reaching out to you, um, 
you know, that, that's a, just, should I do it? Yes, no. Okay, cool. Let's just do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know? Mm. So I think it's, it's, yeah, it, it's important just to, just to go for things. It removes that fatigue that comes from just getting stuck in between the decision-making. Is that yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. All right. So you've been with Lucky for a little while now. You've obviously had some time in the industry outside of that as well. Has there been any moments for you, Spags, that have really stood out um, as like a standout memory, whether it's something you're really proud of or something that was just totally awesome? Have you had maybe one or two memories that kind of come to mind over the last decade or so? Yeah, I think Ultra Music Festival for the last two years has been a really good memory um, just for the fact that you're sort of working on it for so long and then everyone sort of comes together on this one day. And it, it's good because you have your friends down, my, you know, my family, my dad came to my came to this year's festival, which was awesome uh, for That's him to it. see sort of that side of things. So I think Ultra Music Festival is definitely one. Um, and probably the other one is just seeing and just enjoying the business grow. You know, we're in a really, we're in a nice office now, but go back three years ago, we're in this old office, you know, on top of Billboard, the venue, but now it's this really nice office and big team and it, it just seeing it grow is really exciting. Yeah, mate, I can imagine. So then is it, talk to me a little bit more about the artists that you do work with. DJs are obviously a massive part of it, but I've seen yep. that you also work with a different type of artists. You have like a, a, an inf, a group of influencers that you work with as well. Yeah. What does that full roster look like? Yeah. So we've obviously, uh, we've got another, uh, the influencer side to the business. Um, it's a growing market and I'm sure you would agree with, you know, Instagram and TikTok and everything else. Mm. Um, it's important. It, it's, it's people, these people are really important with people, with, you know, young people coming up and they look up to them just like artists and, artists a lot of you know artists need to sort of be on these platforms as well because there's so many people they can reach and their fans are on there and they want to see more into their life um so we sort of took that step to work with influencers because it, it's a it's a great plat they're great platforms to get out there people look up to them and they can connect with their fans which is what we want to do with our artists as well so the more that we can sort of be in that space the more we can learn about it and get better at it for sure, for sure. Is anyone that in that space then of influencers that people would know that you guys do work with? I've seen a, yeah. I've seen a couple of names on the side that looked like yeah, cool. um, Adam Furuja from Love Island is one um, great guy, super cool dude, um, really nice. You know, he's just just an awesome, just an awesome guy. You know, to hang around with, super nice. Whenever people yep. want to talk to him, he's cool to talk. Um, Sophie from Big Brother is another one who just recently um, was in the finale. She's she's oh, yeah. awesome as awesome as well so yeah they're they're probably a couple of the main ones and they're great yeah. to work with and you know brands really want to work with them which is exciting let's talk about the 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 shit side of things behind yeah. the scenes i think i think this part is, is really I've, t I've said it a few times but yeah the glitz and glam that comes with the work that you do you know it is very sexy um from afar anyway but mate yeah. you don't uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't you don't put on a music festival like Ultra. You don't run a venue. You don't run a big agency without some problems from time to time. Yeah. Um, could you maybe give some insight into what that looks like? You don't have to go into too much detail, but yeah. I, th I think the point I want to make is it's not all glitz and glam, right? Man, there's like before COVID, I was sort of at the point where I'm like, you know what? Nothing surprises me anymore. Now, yeah. after COVID, I'm really like, okay, nothing surprises me anymore. But, you know, I'll give you an example. We've had... We've had tours with artists where they haven't 
I'm just trying to think. Oh, fuck it. I'll just say it anyway. So went to tour with an artist and basically his passport was expired and he wanted to tour. Like he, he, he didn't think, he didn't think about, oh, okay, you know, I need a, a valid passport. He just went <laughs> and it wasn't just expired by a couple of days. It was literally like a couple of months. And obviously <laughs> we get visas for our artists, but when we got the visa, I don't know if he had two passports or what it was. It was, it, it was fine. So, you know, did he forget his other passport or whatever? But, you know, imagine having a tour for 20 shows or 15 shows and then having to cancel them because the freaking artist can't oh, tour because his passport's expired. So, <laughs> you know, that's what, that's, that's one thing that was that's super stressful. Um, another one is artists flights being canceled. You know, you might have a tight connection. There's a big show artist flight gets canceled Weather's weather's you know, the weather's shitty show gets, you know, you, and you've got mm. a 5,000 pack show and the artists can't get there. So mm. there's so many different things that, you know, can go wrong and stuff like that and delayed flights and, you know, visas getting denied because, you know, obviously everyone with tour is great to work with, but sometimes yep. it's hard to know whether visas are going to get approved or not. And sometimes it might take a day. Sometimes it might take a month. So yep. sometimes you're biting your fingernails to the last minute and, Obviously, we want everything to go super smooth, but unfortunately, there's some things we can't control. So, miss, missed flights and cancelled flights is definitely, um, yeah, one of the tougher ones <laughs> Yeah. <to> manage. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I can imagine, mate. I can imagine. Yeah. And then are you, are you essentially responsible then for communicating with the venue, with the other people yeah. involved, to kind of break yeah. the bad news and deal with all that? Yeah, back, definitely. Uh, yeah, and it's all part and parcel. I don't necessarily enjoy it, but... I just try and work out the best solution possible um, to the problem that we have. And, and that's all you can do. You know, people can be pissed off. That's, that's cool. But end of the day, it's it's out of my control, which is frustrating. And, you know, when these things happen, we, we put certain things in place to try and minimize the risk, whether it be, okay, cool. Um, if an artist has a tight connection, can we change a set time at the previous show and go on the flight before? So if he misses this flight, it's the next flight. You know, things like that. So, but sometimes it's out of your control. Sometimes it has to be the last flight. Or, you know, sometimes you can't predict if someone's taking a different passport or using a different passport. So it's it's hard to manage. Yeah, it's just, it's a matter of focusing on what you can control, right? And we're talking off air about yeah. the whole COVID situation. It's like, you know, yeah, of course it's shit, but it's, it, it's completely pointless to invest and waste energy worrying and stressing. It's like, how do you just, like you said perfectly, how do you find the solution to the problem? And if that's exactly. where your attention goes then you know it's a good skill to start cultivating if you don't currently operate that way you know how can yeah. i solve the problem otherwise move on it is what it is yeah exactly mm. man i want to talk about you just a little bit more so um yeah. you mentioned about uh you know you're into your fitness explore yeah. the world of P pt a little bit but you know i see you from afar you're often working out so how important is that to you in your life and how does that help you with your work being fit and healthy it's super important. That's that's the that's the clarity in you know in my life, and it's it it's so important. I I've literally exercised every or trained every day for like the last eighteen months or something. I've missed one, um, and wow. that was when I actually missed a flight for Ultra Sydney. So I, I yeah just should have I still should have, but I just couldn't. So um yeah, but every single day, no matter what, I'll train whether it's thirty minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes because I'm running a long time. Other times it can be for an hour and a half like this morning. I just, I had the time. I got up early, um, started training at six or something. So I'm like, all right, cool. I've got the time. Let's really put in a good session. But 
every single day I'd like to do something, whether it's going for a 30 minute run or doing 40 minutes of boxing or doing an hour of weights. It's just, I can't stress up enough. Mm. Yeah. It's like, I feel like the conversation around time management is one thing and that's obviously important, particularly when you are, mm. you know, really busy with your work, but man, I feel like energy management is the real, is the real key from my experience anyway. And I reckon you'd probably agree. It's like how it's hard to perform and execute the you know the things you need to do if you feel like a piece of shit. And the, the easiest way to kind of fix that is to is to look after your body, is to eat right, is to train. So that's sort of one part of it I find is just like that actually create taking the time out to then create energy so you can actually perform in whatever you're trying to do. And then I feel like there's an element of and, and and tell me if you agree. I find that when I'm putting in the work to exercise, to eat right, to do these things to look after my body, I feel like a fucking rock star because I have the discipline to do something that is, you know, potentially challenging yeah. or hard, but it's in, it's in service of something good. And I find that that like discipline to do that then gives me the freedom to to do it if I want to go and have a few drinks, if I want to whatever. Like I've done the hard work and I feel good about myself for doing so does that kind of make yeah. sense yeah yeah no 100 percent. you know your body's like a it's like a car you know you mm. want to perform and if you put the wrong things in the car it's not going to work properly so you've sort of always you've got to have your engine running as smooth as as smooth as it can and as good as it can um i, mm. I personally haven't had a drink of alcohol in 12 months um oh, wow. and you know, I wasn't not like I was an alcoholic before that. Every time I say that, I sort of think, "Hey, do people think he was like an alcoholic <laughs> before that?" Which I wasn't. I, you know, I probably had one or two drinks, you know, every couple of weeks before that. But I'm yeah. at the point where, my, and my girlfriend says, she's "Like, why don't you? Why don't you drink? Why don't you want to drink?" And I just, I don't like doing anything that affects your performance. You know, and I don't see alcohol as an improvement to my performance for anything. So why do I need it? Um, and I think, you know, that's why I can always sort of run at 110%. I wake up, no hangover, cool, I can train. Um, you know, I can think clearly. Um, sometimes I get, you know, I don't get the right amount of sleep, but that's a constant battle with yourself. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But I just, I always like to be running at 110% no matter what day, no matter what I'm doing. Even if I'm on a holiday, um, which I'm still working on, I still want to be running at 110% just for doing what I want to do. Mm. Mate, that's interesting considering that, you know, the the work you do out at nightclubs with some cool people. Yeah. Like that that must you must uh, have a lot of discipline to to uh to stay away from the drink. That's really interesting. Really cool. Yeah, yeah, I just um yeah, I just avoid it as much as I can and just not cave to peer pressure. <laughs> like I just like, yeah. nah, I'm good. <laughs> I think that's a key maze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people expect it now, they're like, oh, I'm never gonna offer him a drink. I'm like, awesome. So it's good. Yeah. I love it. All right, so then we've touched on a few of the artists that you guys um, work with. For yeah. you personally, mate, is, yeah. there, is there is there a dream artist that you would love to have a relationship with, professional relationship with, that you would look after? <sighs> look, I I wouldn't say I'd like to pick a current artist. Um, if anything, I'd like to keep working on the current artists to ensure um, that they get to the level where you know, they're on a global, global superstar, Justin Bieber sort of level, you know, just like that yeah, right. fan, fan frenzy everywhere sort of thing. Um, so yep. that's what I sort of want to aim towards. There's some great artists out there, you know, like Marshmallow, who is just an absolute machine in what he does and has amazing streaming numbers and, He's you know, killing it. Do, 
mate, he's like the 18th, 18th, I think, most played YouTube channel in the world as well. So he's got right. all these different avenues, which is super exciting. That's like a great artist. Um, but I love, I love working with our artists and, uh, you know, what's enjoyable is the challenge to get to, to that level. Mm. So what's the key? What's the missing ingredient to kind of go from, you know, like obviously the people you work with currently have got a pretty big fan base, but how do you then go and just fucking blow up? Like, is it, is it the music? Is it the, is it having like a niche sort of thing? Like, what do you reckon? Mate, uh, if I knew, <laughs> I, wish I, knew. <laughs> I wish I knew. I just, I think it's just a cross between. If I knew, I'd be a bloody famous. Yeah. yeah former I think, I think it's <laughs> a cross between filling a gap in the market. Um, yep. and also just constantly working towards what you want to achieve and having a clear vision of it. If you can, if there's a gap in the market and you fill it and you're that person to fill that gap, you know, you're obviously, you know, in a good space. Um, good example, uh, good example is Flume, you know, he sort of created his own sound, um, which, you know, built him to sort of where he is and Will's the same. Will was at the forefront of this sort of Melbourne bounce sound when it was kicking off. Um, so those are sorts of things that obviously help and, yeah, you know, look at Fisher. He had an amazing record that just went massive globally and, you know, really put him on this great path. So there's nothing in particular, but, you know, having sort of really good music behind you and music that, you know, sort of pushes boundaries can definitely help a long, long way. For sure. So that's obviously part of it is having that, um, yeah, that that clearly defining thing that you do or a movement that you're part of or a big hit. How do you then? How do you then follow it up? So, I heard you talk about uh, one time. I think it was talking about the Chainsmokers. I had Selfie that came on the scene. That song was fucking massive. Everyone was dancing to it. Um, but then they've gone on to, you know, they've been a, they've, they've had some longevity. Like they've been they've had a really good career, and their music's awesome. So, um, what does that process look like to then follow up? You know, a big song or a big moment. Look, I think following up. They say. It, it's harder to follow up a hit than to write one hit, you know, because I think after you have that big record, the expectation is on you. It's like, okay, how can I follow this up and do it again? And it's so hard. Some artists spend, you know, they might have a hit record quite quickly, but then spend the rest of their career trying to get a record back on that level. And it's difficult because there's no formula. There's nothing, there's no piece of paper that says, Hey, if you do this, this and this, you will have a number one record in 10 different countries. It's just, you never know. Some things you don't think you're going to do well end up being your biggest records and other things you think are amazing, you know, end up having no connection with people. So it's, um, mm. it's very, very difficult to follow that up and, you know, credit to the artists that do. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose there's probably an, some element of luck, but that, that luck never comes about unless you're actually putting in the work. It's kind of the theme of this conversation. Like you actually have to be able to add value, you know, create a good product, um, good music and kind of, kind of go from there, I suppose. Um, mate, I've got a couple more for you before we wrap up. Firstly, yeah. uh, in the event that anyone, anyone listening wants to get into the music space, whether a DJ or, you know, a rapper or a singer, whatever band, have you got any kind of final words or piece of advice for them if they're an up-and-coming artist? Maybe they don't have any sort of agent they work with. They're not on a, a part of a label. What advice would you have for that up-and-comer who wants to break it in the in the music scene? Just keep on keep on working towards what you want. Just don't give up. And eventually, if you put in the work, the the reward has to come. It, you know, it might take. You know, it might take five months. It might take five years. It's just you just got to keep on putting in the work and. You know, a good example of that is someone like Timmy Trumpet. He's been around for so long and 
probably the last 18 months to 24 months he's really taken off especially the last 12 months and it's just constant you know i think mm. this industry is full of a lot of young people but what they don't actually realize is you know if you look at your favorite artists and actually google or see how old they are you know they're not 18 19 20 21 years old look at you know steve oak is over 40 you know um yeah. which is an example and guys like david guetta and stuff like that as well then they're, they're not young you know david gwen's 50 so people just need to put in the hard yards and keep working towards what they want to achieve man i love that have you actually have you seen the the doco on netflix about steve aoki man it's it's so good I actually i saw someone watching it the other day and i haven't watched it in probably two years i think or so it is i'm like hey you know what i want to watch that again i might actually do that tonight it's so sick i <laughs> i might do the same mate i watched it uh, end of last year, I was going through a bit of a bit of a personal situation and in a bit of a slump, and I checked on that doco, and I was like, "Dude, this guy is a fucking legend," and it was super motivating. Like just seeing the hours and effort put in um, is is one takeaway, but then also like you're not going to do that unless you love what you do. And I suppose uh, one final question to you, I, I think, would be how important is it to love what you do whether it's behind the scenes and some of the work that you do whether it's you know the artist making the music how important is it to actually really be intrinsically rewarded and enjoy the work that you're doing yeah i think uh that's make or break depending on how far you take it because if you enjoy what you do you can do it for hours and hours and live it and breathe it and not feel like you're working like i'm very very lucky that i get to wake up every morning and do what i enjoy like that's, you know, sometimes people ask me, some people are like, how do you do so much? Or how do you, how are you constantly up or online or this and that? And it's like, it's not, it's not work for me. It's, it's, you know, I, yes, there's certain elements of what I do. I don't enjoy it, but that, that's anything, no matter what, you know, but this isn't work for me. This is literally me getting to do what I want to do. And when sometimes when I stop and think, okay, I, I, am, my life is, I get to do something that I love every single day. It's still crazy to me every single morning, you know, because it's like, it's just how many people can say that. And, you know, hopefully people that want to get to that point can, but just love what you do. That's, you know, love what you do and everything else will come because if you love it, you'll put in the hours. Yeah, mate, I um, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And that sort of final message is a perfect place to wrap this up. Um, you know, like... For me, I talk about it a lot. I love this idea of connecting with people and I want to build a big platform with this podcast and this this mission that I've shared about on the show so I won't bore the listeners too much because they already know that story. Um, but ultimately, there's, there's two parts to it that I look at. One is you have to have a commitment to get better and I, I certainly do. I want to get really good at having these conversations, I suppose. But the other ingredient is, you know, you got to love it and, and I love this. I love being able to connect with people like you and, and have some fun, have some laughs, get a bit of an insight into your work and the space you're in, but then also pick your brain a bit about what it is that makes you successful and, and um, what it is that keeps you going. So Spags, it's been fun, mate. Again, I appreciate you carving out the time to connect with me today. Um, and I have no doubt when this whole COVID situation is over, um, we'll catch up. And I was going to say for a beer, but probably not for you, mate. So yeah. uh, maybe for I'll a water or two. We can, we'll, we'll have a coffee. Yeah. That's yeah. A, that sounds yeah. perfect. And um, just on my behalf, I, you know, obviously want to thank you and, you know, hope. Uh, like I said, the um, like we spoke before before we started. I really, you know, the the thought behind the podcast and the name and everything else. I think it's awesome. Um, so you know, please hit me, let's let's chat after this and send me, you know, what sort of charity and you know, I want to 
put some money behind it and, you know, it's not going to, I can't, you know, massive amounts, but I want to put something behind it because I really believe in what you're doing. And I think obviously the brain is obviously so important, but um, I think what mm. um, you're, you believing or what you're working towards is awesome. So thank you for, um, you know, trying to make the world and open, open these doors up where people can sort of talk and have someone to reach out to as well. Mate, that means the world to me. You're a good man, Spags. Uh, we'll definitely stay connected and yeah, we'll talk a bit more off, off air and um, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Add a lot of value today. Appreciate it. Done. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode. If you did enjoy it, if you got some sort of value from the episode, please do us a favor and subscribe to the channel. We've got lots more to come and share it with your friends and family. It all helps our mission of raising a million dollars towards brain injury recovery and research. So please share the podcast and I look forward to sharing more with you on another episode.